Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. And listeners, I am so excited to share with you that we are back to recording weekly episodes. Woohoo! Yay! Yay. <laughs> Welcome back, Amy. Welcome back, Michelle. You know, we we cut back to every other week, ladies, during the summertime, sort of a long summer since we both had to travel and do other things. But we are so glad to be back with you on a weekly basis now that it is officially fall. Yeah, and as we're celebrating, we want to celebrate a brand new patron over on Patreon. Gina, thank you so much for signing Aww. up to support us every month. And Thanks, if you, Gina. Yeah, and if you'd like to donate via Patreon like Gina or through PayPal, head on over to a awordfitlyspoken.life and click on the support tab. Yes, and while you're over on our website, we want to make sure that you catch last week's episode, Prophecy Bingo, with Chris Roseborough. You know, we had such a wonderful time on uh, Chris's YouTube podcast, a lot of laughs, and you just don't want to miss it. Yeah, especially since I won, despite Chris's cheating. <laughs> did. Yeah, I'm told that rarely happens. But we wanted you to know that if you subscribe to A Word Fitly Spoken on iTunes, like I do, uh, last week's episode, Prophecy Bingo, didn't show up in your feed because we had some technical difficulties getting it uploaded yeah. to iTunes. Yeah, as much as we tried, didn't want to break anything, but uh, but you can listen to it on Podbean or any other podcast platform or at our website. Just go to a awordfitlyspoken.life and then go to the podcast tab and click the play from the beginning uh, link. That's where you're going to find the that program. Or, you know, you could just go in our show notes and watch it on YouTube. But you should see the Prophecy Bingo uh, right near the top. And uh, again, watch the video on of that episode because visually, it's hilarious. So uh, we've uh, included the link to it in our show notes, or uh, you could just head on over to YouTube and search for Chris, Chris's uh, Fighting for the F uh, Faith YouTube channel, uh, put in that search bar, uh, Prophecy Bingo, and it'll pop right up. And we do apologize for the crazy eyes that he uh, had <laughs> us. You know, we, he put these like high beam lights in, in all of our eyes. It's, it's, uh, we look like raccoons in yes. the night, but, uh, but it's all tongue in cheek. It's all a lot of fun. Yeah, well, we're not not quite that crazy, so, but it's okay. <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, tonight we are launching what we hope will be a regularly recurring feature here at A Word Fitly Spoken, and we are calling it The Pew. Yes, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> On each episode of The Pew, Amy and I will collect a few trending topics that we'll share with you and that we'll react to. And it'll be kind of like a, a non-annoying Christian version of The View. You know, all of the joy, yeah. none of the Behar. So... Thank yes, <laughs> we're, we're calling it the pew, not only because it will bear the slightest of resemblances to the view, but because it'll it'll be sort of like our view from the church pew on these stories. And also because some of the stories, you know, that we're going to cover, they are going to stink to high heaven. But unlike the view, we don't want to focus too much on worldly carnage because our main focus should always be on Jesus and what our God says to us through his holy word. 
Yes, and and so we tried to select stories that do have more of an impact or at least are more relevant in the way uh, many Christians think and how general opinion about things that God says are evil are actually uh, unfortunately becoming less bothersome to the visible church. So be sure you are following us on social media because in the future, when we are getting ready to record an episode of The Pew, we might ask you for your input on stories and events that you'd like us to cover and uh, you're going to want to be able to put in your two cents worth. That's right. You sure will. All righty. Let's get to our first topic tonight. Amy and I each grabbed a few items that we found interesting to share. Amy, what did you find on the endless stream of news feeds this week? Well, unfortunately, we're going to start out with some of that world carnage you talked about, yeah. Michelle. Um, this one is on toddler transgenderism. Oh, no. uh, oh boy, it's a it's a tough one, um, and and our hearts should break when we hear this because remember last week we discussed a poll sponsored by Ligonier Ministries about uh, the state of theology of professing Christians in America, and one of those questions was about gender identity. The survey asked Christians, uh, professing Christians anyway to weigh in on statements like this one. Gender identity is a matter of choice. Okay, no surprise that more Christians believe this to be true in 2022 than they did a few years ago. In fact, 42% of professing Christians now say, yeah, yeah, people can indeed choose their gender identity. Even though God has created just two genders, male and female, he made them, right? And so we know that the world has decided that there are more than 50 kinds of genders, and uh, we're going to link up that episode, What Has Christianity Come To? That's the title of it in our show notes tonight. The reason I bring this up, Michelle, is that I saw an article, and this is just devastating, it's titled... Meet the taxpayer-funded group pushing transgender identity on two-year-olds, and it's from the Washington Free Beacon. Uh, It happened just a few days ago. They posted this. And uh, let me read just a few snippets of what I think is probably the most depraved and vile thing that I have read in a long time. And I'm going to quote here. The nation's top early childhood development organization, which has received more than $230 million in federal funds since 2008, claims that children as young as two years old can show signs of, quote, transgender identity and encourages educators to, quote, use tenets of critical race theory when they work with newborns. Newborns. Okay, still quoting here. The group 023 promoted these controversial views during its virtual conference this month, which included educational sessions titled, What Does It Mean to Be Transgender and How Can You Support Kids Who Might Be? And Elevating Racial Equity in the First 1,000 Days, Protecting, Promoting, and Preserving the Health, Wealth, and Learning of Our Families and Babies. And again, just to hammer this point home, Michelle, the zero to three organization tells educators to, quote, use tenets of critical race theory when working with babies. As you can see, it's ramping up. It's getting worse. Oh, yeah. I mean, the depravity that's just going on in the world today is just ridiculous. Um, I, I just don't even know what to say about it anymore. It's crazy. 
Yeah. And these little ones, these dear precious little guys, they're not only being groomed by the government-funded organization, they are being lied to about how God created them. And by Michelle, the way, Michelle, before the conference speakers started, they actually, this conference hosted a virtual drag bingo for its happy hour entertainment. Uh, need I say more about that? But let me just read one more paragraph from this article, and then we can... Yikes, move on. Uh, Zero to Three, which has 3,653 members who work in the field of early childhood development, has received $234.68 million in funds from the Department of Health and Human Services since 2008. I'm just going to interject here. Uh, ladies, this is, this is taxpayer money. This is your money and our money. This is money that uh, we, the people, actually own and give to this organization. And uh, continuing here, and this organization is slated to receive an additional $52 million by 2027, including $4.2 million in grants from the Biden administration set to begin this month, $4.2 million dollars. The group trained okay this is this is another this is the last statistic I promise. The group trained 89,222 professionals last year according to its 2021 impact report. Right. So what do you think? Wow. I know. Oh my goodness. Is it the numbers are just like incomprehensible. Yeah. I, I I, I just wish the Lord would come back and get us. You know, yes. that may that may sound like a simplistic kind of thing. And I realize that he is being patient and kind for, for many more to come to know Christ. Yes. But I'm just I'm weary of this world and I'm I, I'm just ready for him to come back and get Indeed, us. Indeed, <laughs> as am I. Oh, all right. Well, let's lighten the mood a little bit, Michelle. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we need a feel-good story after that. And, and this story is all about encouragement. Good. October is a very special month. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. And uh, according to Hallmark, obviously the experts on all card-giving <laughs> holidays, uh, October is uh, National Clergy Appreciation Month, they say. And Clergy Appreciation Day is always the second Sunday in October. That's if you can only spare one day to appreciate your pastor. Uh, but otherwise, it's the whole month. And, and they say the celebration was established in 1992 with a mission of uplifting and encouraging pastors, missionaries, and religious workers. But the concept of pastor appreciation isn't just a hallmark holiday. Appreciating our pastors is, is really God's idea. Let's look at a few passages of scripture about that. For example, 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. 1 Thessalonians 5.12-13 We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then Hebrews 13.17 Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So, how can we show appreciation for our pastors? Well, sometimes the simplest ways are the best. In all my years of knowing pastors, the number one thing that I've heard them ask for again and again is prayer. Pray for me. That's what they want most. 
why not commit during Pastor Appreciation Month to pray for your pastors every day all year long and be sure to let them know that you're praying for them too. And you can also give your pastors special gifts of appreciation like gift cards to their favorite stores or restaurants, books from their favorite doctrinally sound authors, even maybe an all expenses paid trip to a phenomenal conference like like G3 and a G3 expository preaching workshop or a worship workshop or maybe John MacArthur's Shepherds Conference or a Ligonier Conference. We're going to put a link in the show notes that'll give you lots and lots of great ideas. But one word of caution as we approach Pastor Appreciation Month, if you're going to recognize your pastors or give them gifts, be absolutely certain to include all of your pastors and and make sure their their gifts are kind of on par with one another too. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to get your your preaching pastor a new car and get your minister of music a <laughs> you know a card or something like that. So. Um, <laughs> But uh, let me tell you a little Pastor Appreciation Month story that's not quite so encouraging. My husband was once on a staff, once on staff at a church as minister of music. He did that for a number of years, uh, and there were only at this church there were only two other staff members: the pastor and the youth pastor. And at the end of the worship service on Sunday in October, the pastor was presented with a gift and recognition for his service on behalf of the whole congregation. And then some of the youth called the youth pastor up to the front and presented him, you know, with a gift also for Pastor Appreciation Month, just from the youth group and their parents. And nothing was said about or done for my husband. And it was extremely discouraging to him, not because he didn't get a gift, of course, but just because he felt overlooked and unappreciated. So make sure you handle Pastor Appreciation Month sensitively and appropriately. You don't want what started out as an act of encouragement to end up discouraging any of your pastors. So let's be sure that we encourage all of our pastors during Pastor Appreciation Month in October and all year long. Oh, that's such great advice, Michelle. And just to be sensitive to uh, those on staff who just, um, you know, they're serving the Lord and they're serving uh, the flock. They're serving all of us. And so we want to make sure that uh, people do feel appreciated yes, and not absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to take us right back down to... <laughs> <laughs> right back down to the bottom here. Uh, I, I do want to bring up a topic. It's not a news article per se, but it's uh, referencing a bunch of um, videos, let's just say. And this is the botched rapture predictions from last week. You know, the the topic of the rapture, I mean, need we say more? This past week, uh, a number of YouTubers, TikTokers, and other celebrity self-proclaimed prophets, and I put prophets in bunny ears, of course, uh, predicted another end of the world scenario that would happen either September 23rd, September 24th, or 25th, even as late as September 28th. They were all kind of targeting uh, that week there. And guess what? They were wrong, and we are still here. And by the way, so are they. Um, I, and I was going to actually try to dig up a few sound bites so that, uh, ladies, you could hear just how serious these folks were in their date setting and all sort of astrological signs and acrobatics that many of them were using to arrive at their conclusion. Yikes. Uh, not surprisingly, though, most of those videos have mysteriously disappeared. Oh, shocker. Poof. <laughs> and uh, you can, <laughs> I know, you can no longer find them. I mean, I did find a couple, uh, but I just decided I'd include a few in the show notes as examples of what not to listen to. So if you stumble upon those videos, um, just know we're not promoting them. We're just saying, hey, look at this. This is not what you want to listen to. Uh, 
Ladies, no one knows the day or the time of the end of all things. And if someone says to you that this is going to happen on day such and such, you need to mark and avoid that person and never listen to him or her again ever. These date setters, they keep coming around every few years. Um, you know, it's the year of the Jubilee, or it's going to happen at the Feast of Trumpets, or it'll happen on the next uh, blood red moon. Sure, they will. All of these people are false prophets, right? Jesus told us not to follow them and what would happen to them when he really does come back for reals. Yes. Um, Let's go to scripture. We need to do that. Uh, here's from Acts 1 7. It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Um, ladies, you know, I, I could read many of them, but instead of living our lives preparing for doomsday, we have a clear command from our Lord to live our lives by faith for his glory before an unbelieving world. He wants us to be involved in serving our families, our churches, and sharing his hope everywhere we go with whomever he puts in our path by his glorious providence. So uh, we've got our marching orders and uh, live by his commands and uh, worship the Lord. That's what we're supposed to be doing uh, instead of listening to these people uh, with their astrology signs. And uh, it's unbelievable, Michelle. I just I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Oh, my goodness. You know, I was just thinking the kind of arrogance that it takes, you know, 2000 years later to be to still be thinking, I'll be the one who gets yeah. it right. Yeah. You know, sure you <laughs> I mean, <will. laughs> everybody, you know, everybody else, every from from the time of Jesus ascension, everyone who has ever predicted that Jesus was coming back on a certain day has been wrong. Right. That is a 100 <laughs> percent wrong track record. What makes you think you're going to be the one who's right? I mean, oh, oh my goodness. And and yeah. on top of that, on top of that, you know, it's just it's such a waste of time. Yeah. If if you think this is something that we are supposed to be doing in Christianity, you know, <laughs> taking all these formulas and and <laughs> equations and Bible codes and whatever it is they use to supposedly calculate, okay, this is the day. Yep. That's not what Christianity is about. There's oh. nowhere in Scripture that tells us that we're to do that. In fact, the Scripture says, look, you try this, you're not going to be successful because no one knows when it's going to be. We need to believe Jesus when he says that. Exactly. Um, so you just you, you have everything against you and nothing for you. So if you're thinking about trying to predict the end of the world, just find a better way to spend your time. I mean, yeah. watch a movie. Go share the gospel with somebody. You know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Go disciple somebody. Yes. Um, although I would, if you're going to do those things, I would recommend that if you're someone who is of this date setting mindset, that you go make sure your theology is straightened out first before you share the yes. gospel with somebody or disciple somebody. So that's, that's what we want you to do. We yeah. want you to go get some good theology and go, go share the gospel and go disciple somebody, go serve your church, whatever. But stop this nonsense. This is just ridiculous. You have no chance of being right. Just stop it. Stop it. And, uh, unfortunately, Michelle, you know, all the comments from people who are not Christians kind of tell the story about how crazy they think Christians are. They lump us all together. And it's a horrible witness, just a horrible, yeah. horrible witness for Christ to be doing this kind of nonsense. So um, un unfortunately, uh, a lot of people see that and they want nothing to do with uh, thinking about Jesus or exploring, you know, Christianity. And uh, it just it just drives a wedge in there. It's it's really sad. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. Just stop it. Okay. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, sadly, my next story is not a feel good story like the first one was. Oh, okay. uh, in fact, it might make you a little woozy there. So grab your barf bag, Amy, and and we'll uh, plunge right in. All right. So yeah. <laughs> recently, on uh, it was September the twenty second through the twenty fourth, Joyce Meyer held the fortieth anniversary of her Love Life Women's Conference, and I believe this was just the fortieth anniversary of that particular conference she puts on not like her whole ministry, you know, 40th anniversary or whatever. So, but I mean, even just this one, to celebrate this one women's conference, 40 years of false doctrine. So, um, you know, heading the the conference, headlining the conference was uh, a plethora of false teachers that I don't think anybody was surprised about. There was Lisa Harper, Christine Kane, Joel Osteen, Torin Wells. He's uh, Joel Osteen's music leader. Uh, Brandon Lake, who's with Bethel Music. And Phil Wickham was also one of the musicians. And just a little side note, Phil Wickham, that is really somebody y'all need to avoid. And your churches shouldn't yep. use his music any more than they should use Bethel or Hill song or elevation as far as i know phil isn't actually employed by bethel but that's definitely the crew that he runs with he records with them he collaborates on songs with them and all of that he's just all up in their i'm sorry kids he's all up in their grill you know or whatever you say now that means the same thing so my kid my kids have forbidden me from saying things like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it embarrasses I can't say them. <laughs> anyway. I can't say it well anyway, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's the idea. Uh but back to this Joyce Meyer conference. Like I say, I don't think anybody was all that surprised by any of those names that I just mentioned, but a lot of people seem to be surprised that Chris Tomlin was also one of the music leaders for this fortieth anniversary celebration. Yeah. And if you don't know the name Chris Tomlin, he he was more popular about probably about 10, 15 years ago. He's the guy that goes around sticking new choruses and bridges on pre-existing hymns. Like you've probably sung his song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone in church. You know, yeah. my chains are gone. I've been set free. You know, all that. Um Another yeah, one. so he he posted this big fat social media post about it the next day, and he said, "Wonderful night at the 40th anniversary of the Joyce Meyer Conference. Grateful to be a part of the celebration." And he, you know, had a picture of him leading the music and all that. So I know that a lot of people don't keep up with stuff like this. And look, I get that. People have a life. Most people don't have the time to, you know, yeah. find out all the shenanigans all these people are up to every day. But but here's my point. A Christian musician doesn't just wake up one morning and find himself leading the music at a Joyce Meyer conference. You know, he just doesn't. There are all kinds of compromises that you mm-hmm. make along the way. Over the past several years, Chris Tomlin's been on tour with Hillsong and Carrie Job and Bethel and Brandon Lake. He's recorded with Elevation. He's done events with Kim Walker Smith of Jesus Culture and Matt Marr, who's Catholic. This this kind of thing has been happening for several years, and uh, I'm sorry that it has come as a surprise to so many people. You know, like like Casting yeah. Crowns, who, by the way, has also toured and recorded with the likes of Hillsong and Elevation, as Casting Crowns might ironically say, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray and thoughts invade, choices made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. 
It's a slow Mm -hmm. fade. So learn from this, listeners. Be vigilant. Be discerning. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life, Proverbs 4.23 says. 1 Timothy 4.16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. That was aimed at Timothy, who was a pastor, but that's true for all of us. We've got to keep a close watch on ourselves and on our doctrine. Yeah, absolutely, Michelle. And I'm glad you shared the lyrics from that song because it it is true. It it doesn't happen in a day. It happens over time. Um, And, and, you know, it reminds me of that song, Be Careful Little Eyes, uh, What You See. Be Careful Little Ears, What You Hear. Uh, You know, it does tend to um, get us numb, I guess, as far as, you know, what we're allowing into our own lives when we, you know, play these uh, musicians in our churches or in our, uh, on our radios or, you know, whatever our devices are. Um, Yeah, we we begin to think, oh, that's not so bad. What, you know, what's the problem when seriously, that is not uh, what scripture says. And, And Michelle, you picked the perfect verses for that. Yikes. Yeah, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, like Jesus said. Yes. You know, it's just a it's it's not that you just plunge headlong into heresy, you know, your first day out. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Exactly. Well, I found something here that's uh it's it's stern, but it's actually kind of encouraging. Very encouraging, in fact. Um okay. you know, not everyone who calls himself a pastor can actually address top leaders in government and plea with them for their very souls to repent and turn from their sins, but one pastor who actually does have the ear of politicians and news pundits and the like uh, these days, he actually did that this past week. And it was uh, Pastor John MacArthur of Grace Church in California. He wrote an open letter to California Governor Gavin Newsom, and we know that leaders in that state do pay attention to Pastor MacArthur and the goings-on at his church. They sure did anyway during COVID these past few years. And uh, of course, you've probably heard all about uh, those shenanigans, but there, you know, I think there's a very good chance that Governor Newsom at least knows of this open letter. Um, Here's what John MacArthur said. He said, I don't need to itemize or elaborate on the many immoral decisions you have perpetrated against God and the people of our state, which have only exacerbated these problems. Nevertheless, my goal in writing is not to contend with your politics, but rather plead with you to hear and heed what the Word of God says to men in your position. And so that's kind of the the first thing. But Michelle, let me give you a little background here, uh, because he was actually addressing a particular sin that's going on in California right now. And uh, during his sermon last week, Pastor MacArthur told his congregation all about this open letter, and he asked for their help in praying for the man, for Governor Newsom. Now, I'm not going to read the whole letter, but we will link up to it for you as well as a snippet from his sermon last week. But I want to play a little part of that sermon. So we're watching a culture that is under divine judgment. And you can think about that in terms of a culture, or you can realize that the people who defy God in the culture are under divine judgment. It's very personal. And it struck me this week in a way that it hadn't in the past. Governor Gavin Newsom, who has decided that he is going to lead the nation in providing the slaughter of the children that God creates in the womb, has 
postured himself as if he were Herod. And I am deeply concerned for the jeopardy of his eternal soul. I have talked to him in the past, and I know he was raised in the Roman Catholic Church. But a line was crossed this week that really, really gripped my heart. He had the terrifying audacity to use the words of Jesus to support the slaughter of the ones that he creates in the womb. The jeopardy of his soul is evident. I say this because my heart is grieved that Christ should be so dishonored. My concern is about his eternal soul because he will meet his maker. And as the church of Jesus Christ with compassion We want the governor and all who follow him and all who reject the Lord to know that no matter what they have done, he offers salvation. I think with a new kind of resolve, I want to ask you to begin to pray for the salvation of the governor and the people around him. We can't do anything else. There's no political solutions to anything, but we can cry out to the Lord to be merciful because we care and that he would understand what he has done, that he would turn from sin. He would repent along with those who accommodate that and cry out for mercy from God who will grant it through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay, so that that's the premise of it. Now I want to read you the last part of uh, the letter that, uh, the open letter that John MacArthur wrote uh, this past week. Quote, my, my concern, Governor Newsom, is that your own soul lies in grave eternal peril. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God, Romans fourteen twelve. One day, not very long from now, you will face that reality. Nothing is more certain. It is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, Hebrews nine twenty seven. You will stand in the presence of the holy God who created you, who is your judge, and he will demand that you give an account for how you have flouted his authority in your governing and how you have twisted his own holy word to rationalize it. As you look over the precipice of eternity, what will your answer be? When you look ahead of you and see that nothing awaits you but eternal misery, just the punishment for... Okay, I'm sorry. The just punishment for your sins... What will all the clever rationalizations and political talking points avail for you then? And by then it will be too late for any remedy or redemption. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hebrews 10.31 My plea to you, sir, is that you would not let it come to that, that you would not go to that day of judgment apart from receiving forgiveness and righteousness through faith in Christ alone. In Psalm 50, after rebuking the wicked for uttering God's words in a profane way, Scripture makes this promise. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there will be none to deliver. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving glorifies me, and he who orders his way, I shall show the salvation of God." So there is salvation for those who repent. Christ purchased full redemption for all who will turn from wickedness, forsake their evil thoughts and actions, and trust fully in Him as Lord and Savior. Our church and countless Christians nationwide are praying for your full repentance. Please respond to the gospel. Forsake the path of wickedness you have pursued all your life. Turn to Christ 
ask for forgiveness, and use your office to advance the cause of righteousness, as is your duty, instead of undermining it, as you have been and has been your pattern. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And that's from Isaiah 55, 6-7. Governor Newsom, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. From Second Corinthians 6, 2. For the master, John MacArthur. Wow. And that was quite an open letter. I mean, I, I will join him, and I know you will too, will too Michelle, in uh, praying for Governor Newsom for his salvation, as we should. Yes, absolutely. And that, that John, John MacArthur, reminds me of another John, John the Baptist. Remember when John the Baptist yes. in the Bible was was uh, calling out Herod for, for his sin of adultery? And yeah. so, uh, yeah, it, it takes a lot of guts to, to be able to do something like that. I know that, you know, he, John MacArthur doesn't, he doesn't care what people think about him. And he's used to making these strong stands and whatnot. But, you know, I can't help but think that no matter how, how bold you are, and how many times you've done this, you still get a little nervous, like what might happen because of this or or whatever. Uh, But he's just such a great example, especially to pastors, you know, to stand up against the tyranny that's going on uh, from our governments and our local governments and our federal government and whatnot. And we we are just going to have to come to the point where just like John the who was I saying? John the Baptist. Yeah. Just like John the Baptist, we stand firm for what is right, no matter how much it costs us. And it costs John the Baptist his life. And we're just Everything. we're just going to have to come to grips with that. You know, we're we're at a stage right now where we're afraid to speak up about anything because, you know, it might be socially awkward. I mean, we might hurt somebody's feelings or someone might hurt our feelings, you know, or or something like that. We're just going to have to develop a spine and and follow in the footsteps of of great men like John the Baptist and and John MacArthur, you know, too. Uh and uh and follow their example and stand firm and stand strong. Amen. Well said. Well, this last story, this last story is a sad one, but it certainly displays the mighty power of God over his creation. Just two days ago, Hurricane Ian made landfall about 20 miles from Cape Coral in southwestern Florida, and it had been classified as a cat four, Category 4, almost Cat 5 hurricane. A Category 5 hurricane is the strongest rating for a hurricane, with maximum sus- sustained winds of 157 miles an hour or higher. And the last report that I saw during the storm was that Ian was at 155 uh, miles per hour. The National Hurricane Center describes Category 5 storms like this, quote, Catastrophic damage will, will occur. A high percentage of framed homes will be destroyed with total roof failure and wall collapse. Fallen trees and power poles will isolate residential areas. Power outages will last for weeks to possibly months. Most of the area will be uninhabitable for weeks or months. End quote. Mm. 
And they don't even mention storm surge and flooding in that description. Prior to landfall, um, Ian was expected to push a storm surge of possibly 18 or more feet of water. And I'm hearing things like that hundreds of lives have been lost across multiple counties and that Ian will probably end up being one of the top five worst hurricanes in Florida history. I'm already hearing people compare it to Hurricane Andrew uh, from the 90s, which was was really bad. So we certainly want to pray for everyone in Florida. But as I mentioned, Ian made landfall near Cape Coral. And if the name of that town sounds familiar to you, it should. That's where our friend Tom Askell lives, who we interviewed on the show earlier this year. And not just Tom, of course, but we love his his wife Donna and Joel and Hannah and Sarah and all the rest of his family too. Uh, and that's also where Grace Baptist, the church Tom pastors, is located and also where Founders Ministries is headquartered. Um, additionally, Ian tore across Florida from the Gulf to the Atlantic and then doubled back and hit the Carolinas today as we're recording and also more of the East Coast. So we need to remember those folks, too, because I believe it hit uh, the Carolinas, South Carolina, as a Category 1 hurricane, which is nothing to sneeze at. There's there's a lot of wind and damage that goes along with that. So by the time this episode drops, the the hurricane will be over and recovery and relief efforts will be well underway. So here's what we want to ask you, our listeners, to do. Number one, pray. Pray not only for those who have been impacted by the storm, who may have lost their homes or even loved ones, but also pray for the churches and Christian organizations who will be involved in disaster relief. Pray that they will not only provide for the tangible needs of the hurricane victims, but they but that they will lay hold of every opportunity to share the gospel, the biblical gospel with them. Because as Christians, what we want in a situation like this is for the worst day of someone's life to turn into the best day of her life, the day when she trusts Christ as Savior. So first be in prayer, and then second, uh, send help. But listen, do not just send money or tangible donations somewhere willy-nilly, and don't you know, don't volunteer willy nilly or anything like that either. You know, do your homework and, and send uh, send your donations to a doctrinally sound church or Christian organization that you know will share the biblical gospel as they're helping. Preferably one that is local to the area and can connect the people that they're helping to a local church for long term outreach, follow follow up, and discipleship. Uh, just a couple of notes. In my personal experiences with hurricanes, I would not recommend the Red Cross. Um, I've seen them to be very inefficient. Others may have other experiences, but I've seen them to be very inefficient. And of course, they don't share the gospel. So that, you know, that's a major thing right there. And at the risk of getting a bunch of hate mail, please just save yourself the time and effort. Um, I would also not recommend Samaritan's Purse or any other organization headed up by Franklin Graham. He partners with numerous really egregious false teachers. And there are plenty, you know, he's not the only game in town. A lot of people seem to think that he is. There are plenty of other options of doctrinally sound churches and ministries to donate to. So let's find some of those. I'm going to do my best to find some some links for churches and ministries like that and, and put those links for those in the show notes of this episode and also on our social media pages. So keep an eye out and be sure you pray and give generously. 
Michelle, that's such good advice, and I'm glad you're going to be uh, put, sharing those links, putting them uh, on our in our program notes. I, I think that's so important, and and we do need to do both of those things. Um, you know, we can't just watch it on the news and, and expect that uh, people will be reached for the gospel because they just they they won't be unless we uh, you know support those who are actually on the ground doing those things. So, um, yep, pray and uh, definitely definitely support uh, those in ministry who are uh, reaching those, reaching the lost who maybe are homeless or maybe who are just suffering uh, from uh, grief and loss of family members who have perished in the storm. Uh, It's pretty incredible (laughs) watching it from way up here, Michelle. I've never been in a hurricane. I don't even know what that's like. So um, uh, I can't, I cannot imagine uh, what that that is like. I know you've been through a few. Yeah, it it really is. It's no fun. And, and, you know, where I live, we're a a good bit inland. I know a lot of people uh, know I'm in Baton Rouge. And so we're, we're about an 80 minute drive north or so of New Orleans, which is, you know, I think everybody knows where that is. Uh, but we, we still do get a, you know, a good bit of the, the wind and rain and the power outages and stuff like that and, and damage along with, Mm -hmm. with hurricanes. And it's, it's not fun. And even when you're as far inland as we are, cleanup does take a long time and, uh, there's, it's just a mess. It's no fun at all. And so, um, but one of the, the great things, if I can say this about hurricanes is, is that there are people who come to know Christ because they, they have lost everything. They have nothing yes. else left to depend on. They have nowhere else to look except to Christ. And that is you know, if that's what it takes to get somebody saved, I mean, we hate to see people go through terrible times, but if that's what it mm-hmm. takes to get somebody saved, God knows what he's doing. And God can use these terrible storms to bring people to come to know him, to get people out from behind their phones and out from behind their TVs, out of their comfortable air conditioned homes, uh, you know, basically scrounging and looking for for food and for a place to stay and for clothes and for belongings and whatnot. He he knows what he's doing and he is he's not going to leave anybody behind whom he means to save. So, um yeah, let's let's pray for a lot of people to get saved out of this. That that would be the best possible outcome of this hurricane. Amen. I, I think that's a, a really good uh, note of hope to uh, to leave our listeners with. And so, listeners, what did you think of The Pew? Yeah. Uh, we'd love to know, uh, you know, and, and what headlines or things happening in Christendom that uh, uh, you're finding that you'd like us to do a future show, a future Pew episode of. Give us a holler by sending us a link to that story or a screenshot. Maybe you saw a tweet or something you want us to respond to. But do try to include the original source, please, so that we can share it uh, with our listeners. You can send a message to us by tweet or Instagram, Facebook, email, you know the drill, many, many different channels, all on our website, awordfitlyspoken.life. That's right. And while you're on our site, don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your audio. And if our program helps you to discern the trending topics out there, consider helping us defer our technical costs with a gift, like we said earlier, through PayPal or Patreon. And we hope you have enjoyed this inaugural episode of The Pew. And until next time, keep your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and walk worthy.